Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, is arguably the most well-known and most powerful of all of the Messianic prophecies of Jesus. It is a description of God's suffering servant portrayed as a lamb being taken to the slaughter. It is the very passage that the Ethiopian man was reading when Philip came to him and studied with him in his chariot and ultimately led to his conversion in Acts chapter 8. It is as well the inspiration for Rembrandt's famous painting, The uh, Raising of the Cross. And it is as well the basis for many of the hymns that we sing here in our worship. Uh, I think, think of the song, Hallelujah, What a Savior, immediately comes to mind as being derived from that chapter. Uh, that's especially true of the hymn that I want us to look at tonight and that we're going to sing in just a couple of moments. Number 671, He Carried My Sorrows. Uh, this song is almost entirely a poetic rendering of Isaiah the 53rd chapter as it describes again and again the pain and the suffering that Jesus endured for us. Uh, this song was written actually not that long ago. So many times when we do these hymn studies, we're looking at songs that were written centuries ago. This song was written just about 25 years ago or so by this lady here, Glenda Shales. She is a sister in Christ. She lives in Houston, Texas. Uh, she's still living today, still writes hymns. We sing other of the songs that Glenda has written. And as well, it was arranged by that fellow up there, Brother R.J. Stevens, the late R.J. Stevens. Had the good pleasure of meeting him when I was younger. And he's the guy who is the publisher of these songbooks that we sing from here at Lakeside. Now, in some ways, Glenda really needs to share the songwriting credits with the prophet Isaiah. Because she borrows no less than a dozen of the descriptive terms and phrases that Isaiah uses in that great chapter. In fact, if you just look at the first stanza of the song and look at the phrases that she uses there. Carried my sorrows, bore my griefs, pierced for transgressions, afflicted for peace. Those are just poetic uh, terms, but they're taken almost word for word. Those are phrases that are found in verses 4 and 5 of that famous chapter of Isaiah. And in fact, we could do that same kind of exercise with all of the verses and the chorus here in this particular song. And what we would find by the end of that is that this is a thoroughly biblical hymn. What I especially love about this song is that it takes the, the writing style of Isaiah the 53rd chapter and puts just a little bit of a twist on it to make it even more direct. You remember in Isaiah 53, Isaiah says that this suffering servant, he would carry our sorrows. He would bear our griefs. He uses those kinds of all-inclusive terms. But in this song, Glinda has made it very, very personal. He carried my sorrows. He bore my griefs. By His stripes, I am healed. What that means is, is that means that when I'm singing that song and I'm using those personal pronouns, I am forced to think of Jesus' sacrifice in very personal terms for me. And that means then that this song functions and serves very well for us as a song to prepare our minds for partaking of the Lord's Supper, and as well, even as we're going to use it momentarily, as a song of invitation. Of all of the expressions that are used in this song, the one that has always grabbed my attention the most is there in that third stanza, where it says, He was crushed for His people. Crushed for His people. 
That's taken from Isaiah 53 and in verse 5, where it says, He was crushed for our iniquities. In fact, in verse 10 of that chapter, Isaiah uses that term again, that it was the will of the Lord to crush him. That is a strong term. The Hebrew term there would encompass not only the idea of physical crushing and physical pain, but as well even the emotional, the mental drain and pain that Jesus would have experienced. He was crushed in practically every conceivable way. And as I think about that, as I think about the Lamb of God being crushed, I'm reminded of this. I'm reminded of a statue of a lamb that is found in the churchyard of a little town called Worden, Germany. And on the front of that statue reads just a very simple and straightforward inscription. It says, Memorial to the Crushed Lamb. You might be wondering, surely there's a story behind that, and indeed there is a story behind that. After World War II, there were a group of laborers who began working on the roof of the church building where that statue is located. The statue was not located there at the time. They were working on the roof of the church building to try and repair some of the damages that had been sustained as a result of some of the warring and battles and fighting that was going on nearby there in Nazi Germany. One afternoon, one of those workers who was working on the top of this very steep roof, he lost his footing and he tripped and he fell off the roof, plummeting down to the ground at least some 20 feet below. Very quickly, of course, all of the other workers, they began trying to race down that ladder with very little hope that they would find their friend alive. They began, as they were going down the ladder, shouting to other townspeople, Hey, get help! Come here! Come over in here and help him! Even though deep down, I think most of them probably did not expect that he would have much of a chance at all of surviving that fall. Finally, when they all reached down to the ground, much to everyone's surprise, what those men found is they found that their friend was actually moving. And he was moaning a little bit, in obvious pain, but he was very much alive. As they began to survey the scene, it didn't take long to figure out what exactly had happened. They realized that the man was actually lying on top of something, as though he had fallen on a, a strange and unexpected cushion. When they lifted him to his feet, they understood immediately what had happened. A little lamb who had been feeding on the grass that had been growing there alongside the wall of the church building broke the man's fall. And that poor little man, as it broke that man's fall and saved his life, ended up losing its own life. That man, of course, was ever so grateful for that lamb being there and being able to cause him to be able to walk and to live and to continue to function as a normal human being. And so in honor of that lamb, he had a statue of a lamb erected to memorialize that lamb that was crushed so that he could be saved. Now, if your heartstrings maybe were tugged a little bit at the thought of that sweet, fluffy, innocent little lamb being crushed, and I saw a few people go, Oh, when I told you that. I want us to think, yeah, okay, that's sweet, and that does tug at our heartstrings. But how much more then? How much more should we be moved by the thought of the Lamb, the Lamb of God being crushed, not just to save our physical lives, but to save our eternal souls? Do you think about that? Does the thought of Jesus dying on the cross, does that not make your heart ache 
Are you not eternally indebted? Do you not feel gratitude within your heart for that innocent lamb, the most innocent of all lambs, who died for you? In fact, in some ways, comparing the lamb in that story uh, to the lamb of God, that's really not even an entirely accurate and fair comparison for several reasons. For one, the lamb that was crushed for our sins, he didn't die just to save one person. You think about it in that story. Only one guy was saved by the sacrifice of that little lamb in Worden, Germany. Even if multiple people had fallen off the roof all at the same time, I'm doubtful that more than one or maybe a couple of guys' lives could have been saved by that one little lamb. But our lamb, our lamb Jesus the Christ, He came to take away the sin of the world, John the Baptist said in John 1 verse 29. Everyone, all people have the opportunity to be saved by the precious lamb of God. Furthermore, Our Lamb, the Lamb of God, He did not die as the result of some chance occurrence, some coincidence, or some accident. You know, that little lamb in Germany, I'm convinced that that just, it just happened. He just happened to be in that spot at that moment, at the right time, in the right place. Maybe not the right time and place for him, but the right time and place for the man who fell off the roof. It seems like that was really just kind of a freak accident that occurred. But not so with our Lamb. Our Lord's death was not a mistake. It was not just some chance encounter or coincidence. Our Lamb's death was intentional, it was purposeful, and it was planned. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verses 18 through 20, Peter says that we have been ransomed by the precious blood of Christ, like a lamb without blemish or, shot, or, without blemish or spot, chosen before the creation of the world. It was God's plan all the way in eternity past that Jesus would come and that He would experience the pain and suffering that He did so that He could be our Passover Lamb. And then finally, maybe most importantly, when we try to compare the idea of the Lamb in that story to our Lamb, our Lamb did not die and remain dead. Some of you were maybe hoping when I was telling that story a minute ago, you may have been hoping that I was going to conclude the story by saying that that fluffy little lamb, he he revived and popped up and went scurrying back into the meadows. But it was not to be. That little lamb died. End of story. Our lamb, though, his story did not end at death. His story did not end in the grave. As Peter goes on to say in that very same text in verse 21, God raised Him from the dead and glorified Him. Our Lamb is risen. Yes, He suffered in ways that we can hardly even begin to imagine. But you know what? If that were all the story, all that there was to the story, that this guy came here to earth and went through an awful lot and experienced all this torture and pain and he died, the end, it'd be a pretty miserable story. At least on our account. Because we would still be left without hope. We would have no possibility for forgiveness. We'd have no hope of heaven. We'd have nothing to look forward to at all. But the good news of the gospel is that He is risen. He is seated now at the right hand of the throne of God. He has been exalted as the Lord of Lords and as the King of Kings. He's not just the Lamb. He is that triumphant Lion of Judah. And so the question comes this evening as we extend the invitation of the Lord. 
What will you do with that lamb who was crushed for you? We are singing this song, He Carried My Sorrows. And we're singing this song so that all of us will indeed be reminded, He carried my sorrows. As you sing this song this evening, you've got to think about that for you personally. But you know what? The implications of that then are just paramount. The implications of the fact that He carried my sorrows and bore my grief and all of these things... The implications of that are that I owe Him something in return. What do I owe Him? I owe Him everything. I owe Him my life. I owe Him my will. I owe Him my all. And so, is there someone here this evening who has yet to submit their all, their life, their will to Jesus the Christ? If you're not a Christian this evening, we sure would like to see you become one. We'd like to help you in becoming a Christian tonight by hearing you confess Jesus as the Son of God, repenting and turning from sin, and then letting us baptize you in water for the forgiveness of your sins. Can we help you to do that tonight? If you are a child of God and sin has re-entered your life, you're not living like you ought to, brother or sister, you need to be reminded through the words of this song, the price that Jesus paid for your sins. Repent of whatever might be amiss in your life. Come back to God, asking Him for forgiveness and prayer. If we can pray with you and encourage you, we stand ready to do that as well. Whatever your need might be this evening, you simply just need to make it known. Do that right now while we stand and while we sing.